0: Welcome to Discover Joyous Love with Anita DiFrancesco as your host. This is a hybrid of topics under the subjects of mindfulness, sexuality, and relationships. On this special episode of Discover Joyous Love, I am being interviewed by Randolph Pitts, the host of the Explore Ecstatic Sensuality podcast.
1: Good morning, Anita.
0: Good morning, Randolph. How are
1: you? I'm great. I'm excellent. I'm actually really excited here to be interviewing you today because it's such a fascinating topic. I'm just going to begin with an obvious question that's on the minds of probably everyone interested in spirituality at all. And that is, what is Tantra?
0: Well, it's a very loaded word. (laughs) I mean, it's Tantra is about liberating the spirit, the soul, the mind. It's, its trueness is about liberation. Now, when people think of liberation, they think of sexuality because they want to be more uninhibited during sex or on their sexual path. They want to remove their shame and their hiding and all of the things that keep them frozen and locked and um, ash- afraid to be who they are. But you see, the whole thing with Tantra sexual energy, well, energy, sexual energy, is that in Tantra, we allow that energy to be present as, as a healing tool. So that energy is present to to work with, to heal the body, the body from disease, the body from, um, you know, um, emotional damage. So it's there and it's there also to enlighten and and, and bring people into a higher vibration, into their higher power. So we, they call it Tantra because way back in India, it's, it's not really even an Indian practice. I mean, it's, I mean, it is, but it's, it's something that Bhattayana was a, uh, a spiritualist at the time who was doing a lot of work back then with this subject and it was kind of thrown overboard or under the table because of you know the sexual content that was the sexualness about it but it's really not about sex tantra tantra is a yoga and it is a yoga of the senses it's a sanskrit word and its meanings it means the teachings and practices that use energy to lead to a high state of bliss and enlightenment exactly what i just said and it applies the teachings of tantra to the sexual union to reach those high states. So your sexual energy is your healing energy. And we're basically sitting on that Muladhara chakra, which is the root chakra all day long, because it is this energy that gives us our creative power. Well, once it moves up, so we have seven chakras, but it is the energy of the sexual, which is the chi energy or the life force, And that gives us our creative initiation. It gives us that that, uh, magic wand to be who we are. But in the societies that we live in, the word sexual is taboo. Tantra, people think it's an orgy. People think it means just sex. I'm going to, to a tantra class so I can have sex. But that's not really what it is. Sex is not... The, um, the, uh, the top line or the bottom line. It is really not about sex tantra. It's a weaving together and an alignment of one's, you know, somatic, spiritual, sexual, physical, se- and sensual and intellectual being and emotional being. So it's a weaving together. And when we say it's a weaving, it's a weaving through the everyday actions. In other words, Tantra teaches us how to get into the bliss and higher power of tapping into love versus hate. So if we learn to open the heart with that energy, because once that energy is released that we're sitting on all day, or that we allow it to be there, and I don't mean sexual energy in the sense of you're feeling horny or something, you know, you're passing sexual energy on someone that is not Tantra. Tantra is the the sexual energy are the jewels where you contain and sustain and you fulfill your life successes with this energy. And this is how you become more charismatic, more dynamic, more Shakti, more Shiva. And people look at you like you're a light being. And this is how light beings and conscious beings and aware beings come about because they they learn this kundalini tantra energy. And not necessarily are they going to Tantra classes, you know, you, you begin in yoga. So it's about making love to life and everything. It's taking those moments every day that are dancing and becoming the present consciousness. So it's it's the key to unlocking the divine secrets within. Now, if there was no such word as sex, you can just call tantra sexual energy, the energy that we're sitting on, the chi, the life force. And basically that is what it is. So this energy is the healing force of disease. I mean, people are suffering from disease because this energy is suppressed. You know, they, they may be suffering from major medical diseases and, and, you know, not because they're not in a relationship or not having sex, but because they're, they they do not know how to access this preciousness. This divineness, this sacredness that is in all of us. And it is there. It is the most divine energy of the body. And again, it is not about sex. It's about you and your presence. Wow. So, far, wow. so far what I have for you, Miranda. Oh, well, what so far. You.
1: So far, I feel about 100% more knowledgeable and intelligent on this subject than I did before. But let's proceed a little bit and ask, how did you become interested in Tantra as a career? Where did you get your start?
0: Well, in my 20s in Philadelphia, I had this, this wild divineness direction that I wanted to go in. I know exactly what I wanted. I found classes on um asymmetrical physical dance movement in, in Philly back then. Fishbeck, he was one of my teachers who taught at University of Penn. He recently passed away. Anyhow, and then some other teachers, Remy Harris. And it, it was the, um, this movement thing that they had, like a dance rage. You walk in and everybody was just, you know, getting really wildly dancing. And I was so inhibited. I, I thought, this is very liberating. And I really wanted to to become the open myself up and liberate my soul. And so that is where I began. That was number one. I started to take the dance movement here in Philly, which was not that much of it back then. There was a lot more in California is why I ended up moving to California. That was the main reason. But then I found uh, one teacher, um, Swami Varato, who had the New Frontier magazine. It was the first new age magazine in Philadelphia. And he was a Hungarian man, born in Brooklyn, and he came to Philadelphia to open this magazine. And in the magazine, it had everything. You saw the beginnings of yoga and all these spiritual teachings and classes and workshops. And then I saw the word Tantra in there. And that just rang a big bell for me. Tantra. Tantra. It had such a vibration to it because it's a, it's a word, you know. These words that go way back to India, like even in yoga, when you, when I'm a yoga teacher, a vinyasa flow yoga teacher, and words like when you say get in a position, um, downward facing dog or chaturanga, they have such. And, and as a teacher, you like to use the Sanskrit words, and it is best to learn them. I usually do the English and the Sanskrit because. The vibration is so old in history, has so much wisdom to it that the body starts to feel it and the, the embodiment and the enlightenment and the, the, uh, the sounds like start to vibrate through your body. So these words have a lot of power to them. And when I heard the word Tantra with, and Swami, uh, Swami Varato, he was the teacher in this area at the time. It's, I said I want to learn tantra. I want. What is it? I want to learn it. And then I met many people that I was um, just friends. I was hanging out with a man. I was sort of dating an older man. And you know, I was in my 20s, so you know, I was dating older guys. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this guy gave me these books, all these books about sexuality. I that he and I guess his partners over the years would practice. And the book he gave me was that classical, the sacred sex book. And it's a classical tantra book. It's, it's like one of the first books. I have it here, but I don't have it in my hands. It's called the sacred sex book. And he gave me this book and it has all the Kama Sutra positions in it. It's like one of the classical first pioneer books on tantra. And then all these other books about sex. And I thought I met the Swami virado He was giving me some like class, like classes. People were going to some kind of like meditation breathing classes that he was having around town. And then this friend gave me all these books. And, and I I think the path was just carved out for me. And then I uh, I was already into the dance movement. And that's a big part of it all. And then I started to meet different people that were giving me books and enlightening me to go to different classes. But Swami Brata was the first one. And this friend who gave me the books on, ta- on um, and, and that's what really got me interested. So then I started to take yoga, and yoga is where you begin. People don't really realize that Tantra is a yoga, but it's not yoga in the sense of, you are stretching the senses with Tantra. In yoga, traditional yoga, you're stretching the muscles. But in Tantra, you're stretching the senses and the primal energy and the chakras. But the reason they can keep it a yoga, call it a yoga, is because in yoga, there's what we call the Eightfold Path. And the Eightfold Path is a path that yogis get into to learn how to self-discipline themselves and to how to remove the sexual desires. Like remove, it teaches them how to remove the, the senses so that they can become more into their higher power, more self-disciplined. We take some of that and apply it to tantra because in relationships, that is what we want. Mm-hmm. We want someone that is, we call it samadhi, which is the super conscious experience of union of the individualized soul and cosmic spirit. So we want our people in tantra to learn how to have this unionized individualized soul and connection with the cosmic spirit so that the sexual life becomes better, the sensual life, the relationship life. And then there's the dhyana is one of the eightfold paths, which is meditation. The whole entire act of tantra is a meditation, is a ritual, because it involves a lot of self-respect, adoration, worship. And then Niyama is also another eightfold path. The spiritual qualities, the purifying of the body, mind, self-discipline. So I, I tell my students that if you want to be in a relationship and you don't want to have the infidelity and, and all of that stuff and you want to stay focused. no, Like I say, desire will always be there and we are not designed to walk the straight line. But if you practice enough of the yoga along with the tantra, you can have that self-discipline staying very connected to the relationship and you, you build that self-discipline, but yet you're able to loop it with the sensual love. It's like freedom within structure. You know, you have the structure, but now you got the freedom you can play and you can get sexy or you can get sensual, but you got that, you got that structure that keeps you. And that's your groundedness. That's your purity. And that is where, where where yoga comes in about teaching us about the to be in that frame of mind. And a lot of people that just study yoga, they become very focused in the living. Yoga focuses you. I mean, it's wonderful for ADHD. It's wonderful for people who have a lot of head chatter with the storm living in the brain. Um, people that have the voices that come up that they can't shut down. Yoga is wonderful for that. And that tames that. And then we come into the Tantra because now, you want to be able to play and live, not sexually, but yes, eventually sexually. So this whole thing is so much involved in this. So that's that part. Where And how else did I get into it? Yes, I started and then I studied psychology and then I went to L.A. and I started to study dance movement. I mastered yoga, uh, pranayama and the eightfold path and, and the whole thing of yoga. But I was always in tantra classes. But I would go to tantra classes and I would say everybody just wants, they're coming in with a desire to have sex and that is not what tantra is. It's about containing and learning how to contain and sustain that energy so that you can become more of who you are in your truth.
1: This is so fantastic. It's so fantastic because I think there's so many myths, if I may call them, so many misconceptions in the minds of the average person who exposes themselves only to what they call mainstream media about tantra but here's a question i feel i need to ask and many people are asking who are listening to this podcast and that is simply what is tantra sex
0: what tantra sex is is having sex with your beloved or just a friend say you're just dating someone lightly you know a few months it doesn't have to be Um, a serious relationship, but is having sex the sacred way. And using the energy of the sexual in one of healing or blissful pleasure. So the energy of tantra sex is very collective. So when you start to practice with another person, what happens is there's a connection that goes into the world into a blissful enlightenment. It's a collective connection that manifests to the world. So you start to become more loving and opening your heart and then others in the world, it's collective. And this is what the goal is. And see, this is where politics is missing out on like this whole thing about awakening is because when people connect and open the heart and breathe and eye gaze, they're taking this energy And holding it in a sacred container okay it's a sacred container and they're using this either for their own healing for worldly healing blissful pleasure and this is collective so it is sent out to the universe now the exercises are meant to channel the sexual energy they're meant to channel the energy so It's not about having sex and getting into it. And it's about honoring and worshiping and desiring and um, respecting your partner and opening up to the fullness of the heart. But there's many exercises that one needs to do before they can go into the bedroom. There's, of course, the movement, the dance movement, the expressive dance movement that's very creative to open the body, opening up the hips, moving that sexual, those chakras so the energy moves up from the Muladhara, which is the, the root chakra, all the way up to the heart and to the uh, third eye. And, um, and then there's breathing, of course. You know, so there's a lot of breathing. And what the breathing does is it, it starts to um, undo the patterns in the body. So there's so much psychological, emotional work that goes into Tantra that people don't realize that, but they are starting to realize that. That Tantra is about healing the primal energy that's dormant, that never really had a chance to live, or your um, experiences growing kept you blocked and kept the barriers there for you. So, And that's where the shame and hiding come because people are are afraid to come out. And if they do, they feel shameful about it because of all the negative, maybe negative abuse. now the benefits of tantric sex are you get a deeper connection with your partner. There's more love, there's more intimacy. There's more communication. And there's a direct energy toward free expression. So you start to become more liberated and you're able to receive. if, If you practice Tantra with a regular partner, she will become more open to receive her partner over time. Because generally, no matter how long a woman is involved with a man, she doesn't really receive him because there's always that boundary, there's always that fear that or things that creep up from her past because we're never really going to trust anyone no matter how married you are to them. But if you do this work, you can see that you will go beyond, you will go beyond that. That's the bliss, that's the the manifestation, that's the enlightenment. You break the barriers. You balance out the male and the female energy. So with both, both of you, we both have, we all have a male and female energy within. So by me practicing with my partner, whether it be a man or a woman, I am balancing out the male and female in me through that partners, male and female in them. And then it becomes a synergetic kind of thing where you're starting to do the fire orgasm breath, getting into the, uh, the power, and then you start getting into the transmutation of it and channeling and sustaining and containing the energy. You're also aligning with another human being. And what I mean by aligning is you're aligning your chakras. You're also aligning the connection of, say, their thoughts with your thoughts or their emotional state of being with your emotional state of being. So it's nice to be with someone if you're a happy, jolly person. Why do you want to be with somebody that's angry and always discharging? I mean, so and you see a lot of couples that way. But when you do the Tantra, you both come in harmony, congruency. You're like sort of on that same page. It's never going to be perfect. Don't get me that wrong, you know, here. But if you practice enough, it's the medicine. You see, it mm-hmm. is the medicine. And now you both have this harmonious way. So you can both be happy at, together. You can both be angry together. You can both be whatever together. But again, like I said, you have to work at it. So you want to align with the other being, honoring and celebrating sexual union, celebrating making love to life. So you're honoring and celebrating your life and the union between the two of you. And that's the sacred space that is there, is that sacred space where you come together and then you leave and you come back to that sacred space. And that's the honoring there. And this is the... um, divineness and sacredness in a relationship and that's why when infidelity happens in a relationship people feel like a desecration has happened you know like a like a, a criminal act or something because the sacredness as a tantra practitioner is so much more divine and so much more present and aware and conscious that if the partner is not practicing with together then and then one of them, you know, go out of the sacredness, it, it's, it is a desecration. I mean, it's, it's like, it's, 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 it's felt in a different way than a regular relationship, if you're in the tantric practice. So you're starting to open up, you're vulnerable, but you're, you're living on this sacred foundation. And that's where you operate from. You also liberate your soul. People wanna liberate their soul, they don't know how. They want to dance. They want to, they think having sex is liberating the soul. A lot of people have sex, but they're closed down. They're shut down. They're not expressive. They don't talk. They barely have full body orgasms. They barely are having an orgasm. And they're like not expressing their voice. Nothing. It's not liberation sex. Liberating your soul is through all of these exercises. And then when you go to have sex, you're already a liberated person. Sex doesn't liberate you. You have to be liberated before you do that.
1: Fantastic. Fantastic. One th- word that you mentioned, and I actually did a whole episode on this podcast about the subject of ritual. And I would like to ask you from the Tantra's perspective, what is ritual and why do rituals work?
0: Anything can be a ritual from a doing a sensual massage on someone, your partner, A ritual is setting out a sacred intention. So it a ritual involves intention. It doesn't matter what it is, like whether you know tantra, whether you know any of these spiritual things in life, you can still have a ritual if the intention is there and it is in a sacredness, a sacred, divine, clean, refined, karmic thought. Of course, if you're in the spiritual way of it and you're working in tantra or yoga. There's words, there's gestures, there's objects for purification. So it's about purifying. There's the sage that we use to purify. Um, I, I know you know what sage is. You purify the room or the body. When someone walks, I used to go into yoga studios and they would sage us down mm-hmm. to remove, to, so that we would, during our yoga pras- practice, it would be a ritual a ritual alone. So a ritual can be in your own right or with someone else. And the intention, attention, intention, attention. So an intention is key with the ritual. And like I said, a lot of time, like last night in my workshop, I did a puja. And in India, a puja is a ritual. We westernize it. We work with individuals and they work more with the deities So you have the deities are the archetypes of the spirits and the guides and the angels. Part of this whole thing is about the feminine force, the Shakti. We work with deities too, but we work with the human being in the Western world. So so the puja last night, where we formed an inner and outer circle, and each one moves. I give them an exercise. I give them some words of communication or touch, and then they move to the next partner. And so by the time they get all the way around, some of the armor in the eyes by the eye gazing that we do is reduced. So they've already let down some armor. They already feel they can let down their guard. They can let down their guard with people in general, with lovers, with whomever. It's it's not it's for everyone. It's not just for the couple. So all of these people moved around. And by the end, they felt they felt liberated some of them said at the end they felt more open less shy less isolated and this is a ritual because we were honoring each other during the process and honoring the self worship so important to have someone you worship and mm-hmm. um have you ever worshiped anyone randolph Beside Ooh. me, just kidding. <laughs> well, I wouldn't,
1: I wouldn't necessarily laugh at that, but <clears throat> in any way.
0: No, rate. but worshiping, I'm not. I didn't mean to laugh. Cause I, sometimes people take it the wrong way. Like they think that you have to worship means, you know, Catholic church or church, but worshiping an individual is honoring them. Oh, absolutely. It's looking, looking at them in a divine light and accepting them and surrendering to them and, Whatever it is that they do, even if you don't like it, you accept it because you worship who they are, everything about them. And, and this, this uh, there was a book I saw on worship. I'm, I'm going to have to get this book, but that is what this whole ritual stuff is about. So you can do a ritual, be in your home, and you could be cleaning the house. And you could make that be a ritual because a ritual involves, I said, intention of purification, cleanliness, refining the spirit. It's just Mm -hmm. refining the spirit. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I really, uh, I put ritual energy. Did you ever go to a sweat lodge? I used to go to those ritual sweat lodges in California. We would go into the sweat lodge and uh, in Malibu. Mm-hmm. And they would keep us all in there. And they would, um, you know, a lot of words, ritualistic uh, words were exchanged or, you know, people read poems and things like that. And they had uh, it was very hot. It was almost like a sauna. But the the, the intention was that the leader would uh, talk with us and he would, you know, go on about this ritualistic, uh, these were word, different words about how we, you know, whatever it was, I, I don't remember quite everything, but it uh, it was there for us to be more focused in ourselves, to removing the bad spirits that live within us, the demons, wow. and so that we could refine our spirit. Yeah, and this is about cleansing. It's cleansing. So in the Willem Reich's work that I do is is about breathing and anger release and re- opening up armor and patterns. So you're doing a cleansing. It's it's the same thing. It's, it's an emotional cleansing. And there are many ways to do it.
1: Fascinating. Fascinating. I just want to remind my regular listeners and all my fans worldwide that honoring one's beloved is a major theme of this podcast and has been all along. Interesting. But Tantra provides one with Other formats, other ways, deeper ways through ritual and other things to do exactly that, to honor one's beloved. That's one thing, that's one reason why Tantra is so valuable for so many people.
0: Another thing about honoring your beloved see, Tantra, what I teach with my students is to have love versus hate. So, Mm -hmm. what I'm doing is removing that hate lid from people by doing the puja I did last night, because You just, it doesn't matter about your beloved, just removing the hate, then you will find love. Why are people single and why do they walk around and say, I can't meet anyone, or no one likes me, or I'm not attractive enough? And because they're not open in the heart, once the heart is open, the lower chakra, which is near the belly button that is your creative sexual chakra, that has to open. And if you are living in hate and blocked and you have barriers and shame, that part of your body is going to be shut down. Now that, that chakra there needs to open because that's where the attraction comes. When you are seeking someone, you you have to feel that not exactly a sexual attraction, but that energy to align you and connect you with someone. And then eventually, of course, it would be a sexual, would turn into a sexual, but you're not looking for the sexual attraction. You want to open that up there in that that, um, that, that, that uh, second chakra. And um, that will help you to start to feel attracted to another human being. People want to know why they're not attracted. You see, attraction isn't about, oh, I have chemistry for that person. Or, oh, that person's good looking. Or that person dresses nice. That's not attraction. That could be sexual attraction for the moment. And those relationships work. You know, you can have that. But the real attraction, the real attraction is to the person that you're not even attracted to. And that is where you have, where you do the work and you find that out later. So opening up these chakras is very important for the energy vibrations.
1: Fantastic. Can you just back up a little bit and describe the entire idea of the chakras and theory of the chakras, although that's absolutely not the right word.
0: Okay, let me talk about the anahata. There are seven chakras and the two most relevant ones are anahata, which is generally symbolized as a circular flower with bursts of 12 green petals. And that's really around the heart space. This um, chakra, it's in the, since it's in the chest region around the heart, it's uh, called the heart mind. In the heart, there's a mind of its own and there is a brain in there. There's feeling around that brain. So the heart is really a part of the brain. Physically, it governs the circulation, of course. Emotionally, it governs the unconditional love for the self and others. And mentally, it governs passion and spirituality. It governs devotion. So Mm -hmm. in in one of the first things in Tantra is to open the heart chakra so that we learn to self-love ourselves. And then when you self-love yourself, you can take that love and extend it to a partner. But if you don't self-love yourself, you're not really going to be able to love someone in a proper way. You may overlove them. You may you may be needy in loving them, but you won't be able to love them in a the proper way. So the we begin with the self love and opening up the anahata chakra, and then we have the muladhara, which is the root chakra, which could be the kundalini awakening. And you need to be under the guidance of a teacher and to awaken kundalini because it can be very Uh, shocking on one system. If they haven't, it can, you need to have some practice up to it. You just don't awaken it. It takes time, different exercises. Now the Muladhara, which is commonly known as the root chakra, again, is generally symbolized by a lotus flower, four petals. It's bright red in color. And it's anatomically associated as being located at the base of the spine or near the anus and the gonads. The gonads are your sexual organs. Because of this rooted location within the body, the Muladhara represents our foundation and our ability to remain grounded. So a lot of people that are ungrounded, and for a long time, I always felt my Muladhara chakra was out of balance. Having ADHD, which I do have that, but no one ever diagnosed it, but I did, which is good in a way because ADHD people are, they have a higher intelligence, you know, than some um, people that don't have that. So people think that an ADHD person or ADD person are not intelligent, but they have a higher intelligence. And you have to work at your grounding because ADHD people are not grounded or just the chaotic person. We're all chaotic, right, in our life. Chaos is good. Mm -hmm. So chaos brings us to centering. Chaos brings us to grounding. And this is all in the mood of the horror work. That's where we do the work because if we're not rooted and grounded we can't move up. We can't move up uh, further from that. And then relationships will be dysfunctional. And your life won't be as organized or balanced as you'd like it to be. So if you meet someone that is in this way, this is the work they need also to start with, to become more grounded. So it's where, the, where we house our basic identity and values. And the root chakra is normally related to survival, instinct, security, and the basic human potentiality. So Again, this is where you, your survival needs are you know, your eating, your living, your um, money, and all those things. If they're not in balance, if you're, you know, wagering this way or that way and, and things are off balance, then this chakra can, uh, can have a major effect on the rest of your body, the rest of your emotional self. And physically, it governs sexuality, mentality mentally it governs stability, emotionally it governs the sensuality, Mm -hmm. spiritually it governs a sense of security. So they say that it governs the sexuality because it's close to the gonads. So once you move up to the second chakra, and uh, then that's where you get more connected. So if you're grounded, you're feeling more grounded and more in your power and You're secure. You have you know money coming in. You have a you're living okay. You you know, this is called the chakra wheels. It's the energetics in in what we call in the new millennium. It means focusing the energy according to tantric philosophy. Energy centers known as chakras align along with imaginary axis from the bottom of the pelvis to the top of our head. So then, when you get to the very top of the head, this is where you're uh, in the third eye. So now the ego is beneath you. You've you've dissolved the ego. You're more in the truth and the higher power. You're sort of in that blissful state, and that blissful state is where you're happy because it's a consciousness of sorts. But it is a place that, like you're out of the material world. If you, you know, you're not that you're. Like you have to come back to earth. Don't get me wrong. You have to, come- uh-huh. <laughs> you have to, come- I have a hard time explaining this because I know that I'm in that, that realm. And, but you have to come down to earth. We're going to be here. We're in the material political world. But if you stay and keep refining that, that's where your happiness comes and your glow. That's what I have. Because even though we're bombarded with this ugly world, you know, of everything's about money, politics, this, that, competition, but if you remove yourself from all of that material, that's material, mm-hmm. then you are in the power, in the third eye. And this is where you are able to kind of be more, more conscious than someone else. So we, we flip back between the, the real world, the ego world and that higher power. But if you can do that in such a way that you're able to have a balance so that you can uh, still maintain your happiness.
1: Fantastic, fantastic. I totally agree with what you're saying on these things. I just want to do a little aside here and ask you, what are some of the myths about Tantra?
0: Tantra has a few things. So one thing that people, um, first of all, people think that Tantra is all about sex. And the truth is the Tantra sex practices sometimes do not even include genital contact. And they're really about energetic and spiritual contact between partners, between people, not necessarily lovers. Mm-hmm. Intercourse on the connection of generals only serves to heighten the energetic connection when a couple is ready for that intimate stage. So tantric sex is not about sex. And I've said that already. It's mm-hmm. it only... It's about the spiritual practices, but when you do meet a partner or connect with someone you're with, then you're ready for that the real intimacy. And, and then you're able to give and receive and open up. And Because like I said, most people are just going through the motions sexually, not most, but some. Mm-hmm. A lot, they, they, they miss out on the true full body orgasm. And then another myth about practicing Tantra means you give up pleasure. So there's what Uh we have, like, yeah. And this part about giving up the pleasure, it's the opposite of the mistaken belief that tantra is all about sex. Neither extreme is true. Tantra does not require a renunciation of pleasure, even though some yogic practices do. Rather, tantra is an enhancement of joy and pleasure. Desire is not something to be denied, as if you have to mimic a Buddha silently meditating cross-legged alone and not thinking of anything. So in in yoga, that's what we do. We're we're told to let go of your thoughts, dissolve your ego, cross your legs and meditate and don't think. But like I say, desire is always there. But when you are a tantra person practicing, you can control that, not control the desire, you can channel it and transmute it. So tantra recognizes the powerful force that sex plays in our lives and harnesses it to achieve states of bliss beyond just physical pleasure. Because let's face it, physical pleasure just gets boring after a while. I mean, after a while, just the physical gets boring and then that's the relationship true. that's true. And the relationship dies and there's nothing left. But when you have the senses, right. the sensual, it's not only powerful and profound, but it's it's like you're re- recreating a whole new human, like you have a few humans in yourself going on at, at the same time. Yes, we create, yes. Yeah. There's more of you. Right. And that's the that your aging process. Now, another uh, myth is um, tantric sex turns you into a sex maniac. Tantric sex does release sexual energy and give you permission. There you go. Permission to express yourself. And that's where we want to go with the partner. If you're with your partner and you have, again, that shame and hiding, you haven't really Cleared your energy and worked on yourself, then you're not going to give yourself the permission to fully enjoy yourself and to express yourself. And that's a big uh, challenge in relationships because one will receive and one will be inhibited. Mm -hmm. So um, acting out sexually misuses the practices. If you learn the practices responsibly, you will overcome any tendencies to have random, meaningless sex. And so this is where we want to go because then it becomes about love the greater power the higher power and uh, there's so many i'm reading from a book here but there's so many of them tantric sex is for easterners and is not consistent with how we experience sex in the west okay um tantric sex practices are actually quite consistent with the western way of life with focus on the individual acceptance of pleasure and clearly defined steps toward enlightenment. Mm -hmm. And Tantra is not a religion or a cult or an orgy. It's neither of any of those things. Now people think of Tantra being an orgy, but they may be thinking of the polyamorous lifestyle, which that is not an orgy, but in Pali, a lot of people practice Tantra and they loop it in. So they're either, they might be doing Tantra and then, start to do polyamory because they've learned some tools and techniques of how to be present how to be aware how to be conscious how to be sexually expressive how to open up how to liberate how to worship appreciate adore. and so when they have all that they may want to go into the polyamory along again with their partner because usually polyamory is a couple that seek out a third person and uh but it doesn't mean that they don't love the person they're with so A lot of people think of that, but it has nothing to do with an orgy or religion at all. People used to think yoga was a religion. Yoga is not a religion. And people think it takes a very long time to learn tantric sex. You have to begin somewhere and you begin with the body. And whatever it is, whether it's taking a Tai Chi class to get your, just to get your your, um, energy moving, to get your chakras connected, and then maybe yoga and then you'll find yourself you know dropping in other spiritual classes similar things and then you may find yourself in tantra classes but a lot of spiritual classes out there are tantra but they may not call it tantra you know they may be doing same exercises
1: that people in the tantra workshops do let me ask you a specific question on this uh, which is what are yab yum and the kama sutra
0: the yab yum is the classical Hindu-Indian tantric position where one partner crawls on top of the other, generally the female, and she wraps her legs around him. And this is where they start to do the fire orgasm Brat, the eye gazing. This is after many other exercises, they come together here. And this is the position where they, it's the union of opposites is what it is. And this is the position where they begin to, it's the pre-making love. It's like the whole tantric could be like sexual course, if you will, about just learning how to have foreplay, sexual outercourse, learning how to be sensual. And this is much more fulfilling than the actual act of penetration. And some people that are really into tantra and they experience this from a practitioner, about the senses opening. They don't even want to have intercourse because it is so much more powerful to awaken the senses. And that is your orgasm. So keep in mind, your orgasm is not just an ejaculation or a you know a, a female orgasm, you know, coming or whatever. It is the orgasm is the whole sensual alivening of the senses. That is the orgasm. And that is way more powerful once you get there that you will um, some people seem to think that that is better than actual penetration so yabyam is generally like we said the hindu classical indian position union of opposites kama sutra are the different positions that we shape shifting going in and out of different kama sutra positions to explore your sexuality to experience your partner in a different way but having the openness and the liberation to be able to do that. And there's many Kama Sutra positions, there's many books there, but Kama Sutra begins with massaging each other. Again, the ritual bath, the ritual, taking your partner for a nice bath, bringing them to the bed, feather massaging him or her, building the sacred space, the divine. And not even, it's not about sex. So what this does is reduce this whole thing about Kama Sutra is practicing getting in and out of the positions to heighten the union of the opposites. And not so much sex goal oriented, like having the climax goal oriented, removing that. And this is what uh, the Kama Sutra is about. Mm. Vatayana, that's right. He is the one who uh, invented these Kama Sutra positions. Vatayana. And he's the one who um, wrote one of the first books on this, actually. These books were destroyed way back in, in India at some point because of their, the sexual nature of them.
1: I'd like to go back to something that you brought up earlier, which is the importance of breath and eye gazing in Tantra and in general in life, actually.
0: Eye gazing is the focus to the soul. You look in someone's eyes and what we do, we practice looking in your partner's eyes for maybe a good 10 minutes. And it's very uncomfortable, but what happens is armor is reduced and this helps you to get connected to their soul, connect it more to their spirit to remove again, the barriers, the obstacles, the, 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 the the head noise, the surroundings, bringing you into a a different plane. You know, Mm -hmm. it's almost like a, not, not a human experience you know, not on a human level, but on a spiritual level. And if your spirit, if you start to practice enough eye gazing, you will, you know, have to shift like from your spiritual level to the human level, because the spirit will become so profound that you will like living there. You will like living from that. But but it's hard to, and we're in a world, you know, we have to be in the human. We have to come back to, you know, the material world, the ego. But this eye gazing Connects you more, it makes you, of course, it brings about more intimacy and more passion, but it undoes the armor. It, undo, it takes away the armor that is there because a lot of us have armor in the eyes. We have sexual armor. Mm-hmm. The armor in the eyes, if you're not able to connect to your partner's eyes, you're not going to connect to them sexually. You may have sex with them, but you're not really connecting. A lot of people have sex and they're not connecting until you reduce the armor in the eyes until you remove that shield
1: not to get personal but uh, I once had a a lover serious lover and she told me that I was the first man to look into her eyes while making love to her while having sex with her and that kind of sent a shiver down my spine and that kind of I didn't delve into her previous sexual experience but that made me think you know wow In certain ways, she was telling me that in her previous sex life, she'd been more like an object. And for the first time with me, and not to brag, scarcely would I do that, she'd had a real connection. It was a fascinating moment.
0: Mm. Well, some people can do that depending on the upbringing they've had or the experiences. A lot of people find it very easy to look in the eyes and others don't. But one of my students last night uh, made a comment at the end of the class, how powerful the eye gazing was. Because I let them do it for like 10 minutes and throughout the class with different people that they don't know. And then this opens the heart, you start to like people. You see, you start removing hate. So strangers around the class, I'm saying, stop and look at this person, just look at their eyes. They may feel shy, you know, they can't do it, they laugh. But what happens is by the end, they are opening the heart. You see, that's what the, um, you're removing the shield. And the shield is there because what are we seeing all day long? What are, what do you see all day in one day that makes you not want to see it? I mean, you know, we have news that isn't great to watch every day, or you see children being abused, or you see gun shootings. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have armor in the eyes. We're going to have armor all over the body. That's going to just put a fear through people. And that's, if that's your everyday existence, like Philadelphia, for example, I think there's a gun shooting every day. You don't even want to look at, look at anything anymore or news because, and this is why people shut down in a way and they they go back to the fear, but then you got to look at their patterns and stuff, what they have already that it triggers. But a lot of people have never were never taught how to look in the eyes during sex because back in the olden days, way back in time, women weren't allowed to express themselves or make a sound in the bedroom. Let alone look at look at her man, she had to just lay there, you know. And God forbid if she got on top of him and became like the woman on top, <laughs> you know, it was a different thing. Women were were very sheltered. They had to just lay there and. And 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 that was it. There was no expression, no eye gazing, probably no orgasm either.
1: Sad, sad, really.
0: Well, no, we have come a long way. That was oh, just for the sure. I'm
1: talking about the past here, not as we are. in the, Yeah,
0: area, but the women, the, the women's movement. Part of the women's movement is liberation in all areas. Right. And and now the voice is there, and and now the permission is there, and the allowance, and giving yourself that permission and to be who you are okay now breathing there's many different types of tantra breathing we have the fire orgasm breath we have the cobra breathing we have orgone energy willem reich's work a lot of tantra teachers are, are using that now if they study um margot anand she's a pioneer of the tantra world i noticed in some of her books she talks about the willem reich energy the orgone energy um, ergonomy practice. I had studied with her at one time, and I didn't realize she did that work. I didn't study that with her, but when I read her book, she did. So I realized a lot of tantra teachers are practicing that. What that does is, it, again, it, it helps remove sexual armor and patterns, people that may have had uh, sexual abuse, men or women, or somebody said something to them or bullied them. and it, And when you get bullied growing up, you get affected in different areas, it, not necessarily would you get affected of not say like, you don't think people like you, you might get affected in your sexual area and that area could be deadened or you can have issues like men, a lot of men might have erectile dysfunction because they have psychological issues from from being bullied as a child. And that's like supposed to be like an area of courage, confidence, and they lose confidence over time. So they may get that. And that's why you gotta look back at their patterns or anybody's patterns. And see where um, where the turning point was that stifled them in a way. And tantra, all of this is tantra. So tantra is a, is a big healing, big healing tool. One big bag of healing tools. Uh-huh. Now the breath. Now with the fire orgasm breath, what we do with that is we do some undulations with the pelvis, and you're you're um, actually doing the the uh, Kegel contract- contractions. So the Kegel contractions, you're. Um, When we we ask people to breathe in their nose, it's like a hoo-ha breath, hoo-ha, hoo-ha. And at the same time, I call it a ping pong. When we're standing up, you thrust your pelvic forward and then back, forward and back. And what you're doing is you're contracting at the same time on the contraction, on, on the ha part you're contracting and on the inhale part you're thrusting and allowing the contraction to be released. And this helps someone to contain and sustain sexual energy. And this is where the transmutation comes in, because in the transmutation, you want to contain and channel. You don't want to remove desire. See, another myth of Tantra is people think that, oh, am I going to lose all my sexual desire going to Tantra if I really go to Tantra? Or do I go to the Tantra disco? And like, you know, because I've been in all all the classes. The Tantra disco is I'm coming in to get laid. And then there's the real tantra, like I wanna remove this desire because I don't wanna deplete my energy. I don't wanna just have sex and roll over. I wanna last longer. I also wanna last longer in my life. I want my sexual being, my sexual aliveness to go till I'm 70 or 80. You see, and people lose that drive, that desire because they don't practice, they they deplete themselves quickly, they have sex, they have sex over the years. You know, I say couples, they, they're, they that are married in the first five years, they have so much sex, they they have all the sex they could have had over 30 years in five years, because they they don't take the part of courting and learning how to do the sexual outer course and the foreplay and constantly building up these rituals. So this is what we're teaching people because people now come that they've been together for all their life and and, and their relationship is deadened. So the transmutation helps the contain channel and that's where the fire orgasm breath comes in, you um, remove this desire and you're you're able to channel this energy and contain it. And now you become very, very more charismatic. You become more rich. You have this light about you. It takes a lot of practice to do that, to be able... Now, we don't want people to think they're gonna come to Tantra and they're gonna lose their sexual desire. Actually, they're gonna gain more. It's just that if a man wants to have a full body orgasm, this is the way to go. A lot of men are just boom, boom. They just have an orgasm from that lower area there. They don't really experience the full body. The only way you'll experience that full body is if you do a lot of the breathing work, the fire orgasm breath, hoo And then when you have that orgasm, when you are orgasming or ejaculating, the orgasm and ejaculation are different. So the orgasm mm-hmm. is through the body. The ejaculation is the letting it go. And that you would have the control of. So a lot of men like to have more control. So they want to last longer for a woman. You see,
1: oh, exactly, precisely,
0: and then you have the men that have PE, which is the tantra is really good for them because now if they can learn, see PE, you know, has many different myths about it. It's either medical, it's urinary, it's anxiety, something someone said to you as a child. I, I don't really know the the uh, the real um, you know why people. I think most of it is anxiety, but if they learn to find another way. With PE if you find another way to love with the senses you're not going to even want the sex you're not going to even want to have the penis in the vagina you're not going to want to do that like this is the real transformation this is the real transmutation of it all which i really like holding on to my sexual energy and power like just being adoring my partner in reverence and looking at that person but with the sexual energy you know do you really need to have now, you know, of course we want to have those orgasms and ejaculations. We're not saying that that's not what, but you will have more longer years of this. And that's what it is. It's like the good diet, you know, the Mediterranean diet, go on the Mediterranean diet. You'll have 13 more years of life. Absolutely. We'll go on the ta- Go on the tantric diet and you will have another 10 more years of life.
1: So, add them together, you'll to have 30 more years of life. Why oh,
0: wow. So, the tantric <laughs> is a diet. It right. is a diet. It's not about food, but
1: I follow you. <laughs> anyway. Now,
0: see, time, here's another thing on tantric sex it originates from Hinduism. Okay. So, it Hinduism t- is right and revolves around sexual practices, focusing on creating the deep, intimate connection to be present in the moment to achieve sensual and fulfilling sexual experience. Presence is key and being in the moment and surrendering and acceptance. So then we take a little bit of the psychology and we teach them about acceptance and, and surrendering and, and why these, and then you put it together with the, the, the breathing exercises and the eye gazing. And now you have a package here. You have a package that's, that's really going to help uh, an individual, a couple just in their general life. But especially once you get that partner, you know, you can, start to have more of the fullness and the truth. What is
1: sensate focus? I know that's a term that we've discussed a little bit in the past, but let's take just a second to go a little bit deeper into that.
0: Sensate focus was developed by Masters and Johnson, and it is about touch. It improves intimacy and communication. We reduce the sexual performance and anxiety through the art of touch, and you shift from the goal-oriented, again, process of, oh, my goal-oriented is I got to have sex and I have to climax. So mm-hmm. when you get into sensei focus, what we do is we practice touching. She will receive touch, he will receive touch. And then we critique the touch. And how did you do? Was your touch, t- was your touch tentative? Was your touch authentic? Did it have feeling or meaning? Or was it just like you did it because you had to do it? So last night was an exercise I did on this touch and um, where the people learn how to understand that this, this is one of the most important things, touch so that you can communicate. And it, without the touch, there will not be the communication. So mm-hmm. the touch, again, opens the senses and um, it allows you to be vulnerable and feel and this is wonderful, wonderful Sensei Focus, Masters and Johnson for people, even disabled people, that people are in, in, um, that are disabled, that uh, have you know, relationships, sexual relationships. This improves their intimacy and communication. They may not be able to have sexual intercourse because of whatever their disability is, but this is um, something that can help them feel as though, and even just the average person that you are, improving your intimacy and once you improve the intimacy and and um, the communication you know sex becomes real easy after that a lot of people are shy in the beginning they don't understand that um, like they, they might have sex with someone but they really don't know how because they don't know how to touch a person and I don't mean sexual touch that's different I'm talking about just general touch the arms the face the neck just general touch they may not have been touched during their lifetime maybe they never received a massage and of course massage is a nice thing of touch but it's not the same it's just more therapeutic but yeah this teaches you to honor your beloved more too
1: let's return to a concept that came up a little bit earlier during this interview but I'd like to really go into it again before we we wrap up the, this episode and that is the idea of honoring the goddess and of honoring the god
0: Well, you'll hear more of honoring the goddess, because the goddess is um, more the feminine shakti, the feminine force, the mother earth. It's about respecting through honoring in the tantric sexual practices, the divine consciousness embodies the power of the universe. There's a reverence there. So when you honor the goddess, you are in full respect of her. You appreciate her. You are honoring mother earth. You are honoring all of the mothers and goddesses out there, not just the particular one. Again, it's collective. So the energy is very collective and connected to the universe. Like I said, it's, it's, it's embodies the power of the universe. So any man that honors a goddess in the right way, and he, and he knows how to do it and learns, he will be more successful in, in his life because He will be connecting to that feminine energy through the honoring of her. Now, it doesn't even have to be a beloved. You know, it can be just honoring the feminine. And there are rituals that we practice to help honor the goddess that get more physical. Like, for example, now honoring the goddess is just the regular everyday thing, you know, respect, reverence, keeping her in this light so that the universe becomes more divine. Again, Mother Earth. But... Then there's there's rituals such as G-spot ritual, and uh, that is a what we call honoring the goddess through awakening of the G-spot, through physical exercises, and also through actual touch, teaching the partner how to awaken that area through touch. In and this is where, you know, you start to get into the body more. Uh, this is a much more advanced awakening of the goddess exercise that it has to be between people that are very connected and close. It's not done with two strangers. Once her G-spot is awakened and over time, if the, if the person, if the uh, exercise is, uh, it's like a windshield wiping of the G-spot, which is mm. kind of like a spongy feeling. And, and once this is practiced several times, she becomes much more, lets down her fear, her shame, and she sex becomes way better. Because a lot of women, they have a lot of sexual trauma just from breaking up with abusive men over the years. Whether they had any actual trauma or not is another story, but just the fact of being hurt by abusive men leaves a woman shut down there. And so the G-spot is, is one of the rituals that helped to awaken that. And for the god, It's the same thing, the God. And again, it's like the deity. So when you honor the goddess, the archetypes of spirits, guides, and angels that you're sort of, in in our world, it's, it's the she, it's the she. So she, like I call myself the she, and, and, and if i'm in, in in relation with someone i say she is here with you meaning it's objective of me instead of saying i am i say she because i'm taking uh-huh. i'm taking my my sexual goddess and she's talking to you so i'm removing myself out of my shell my physical you know ego whatever shell and coming into that she that goddess during lovemaking but you have to explain it to someone because they don't They won't really know what it means if you're talking in that objective way. But for the God, it's the same thing. You're honoring him, women pleasing the men and um, male, male awakening. Now, there's a lot of David Data writes books, The Superior Man. There's a lot of teachers now out there, male teachers teaching about awakening the male energy. So and, and this is about bringing him in touch with the feminine in his body that feminine part of him that so that he can open his heart so that he can feel vulnerable, allow his feelings to be present with someone uh, without feeling like he's not a man. And we're, you know, the ego. So dissolving some of that ego just so that you can feel. And this is, this is about honoring the God. So the woman, pleasing him, loving him, keeping him in that again, divine consciousness, connecting to the universe. And there are rituals too, sexual rituals that can be done there as well.
1: Also informative, uh, it's kind of a Freudian, Lacanian Freudian, if you don't mind my saying. I'm going to do something that we Freudians tend to do and that is to play an interesting kind of game of free association. Although instead of asking you to free associate, I'm going to do a free association and ask you to respond to it. So here are two words, tantra and love. If I say tantra and love, How do those two ideas fit together for you?
0: It fits together in the sense of that sex is love. Sex is not a sport. Sex is an emotion of love. And even if you are having that, you know, pickup sex or that meeting someone for the first time and having sex just for fun, casual sex, to me, that is still an emotion of love. Doesn't mean I'm in love with you (laughs) Hmm. just because I want to have a, a sport sex with you but it is the emotion of love that I want to live. That's why the Tantra is important because, you know, during the sexual revolution, when, which was coined by Wilhelm Reich, people went out and had free liberated sex and they let go. They, they did it without emotion. And that's when the world was becoming more liberated. Let's have sex. But they, they now you see people that are from that time that lost the emotion. The emotion became suppressed and, and, unrecognized and so as 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 a person coming up in the sexual revolution and and i still remember i was i don't know maybe i was 30 i'm like wow we're in the sexual revolution we can have sex you know we don't have to be married probably that's why i didn't get married (laughs) (laughs) yes there is still time there is and you know i just thought that like hey we can have sex like i remember in high school it was like meet the guy and have just the one guy and get married. And I just sort of had this other kind of, like I said, other higher power. And I said, just can't be this. And then the sexual revolution came around and people were just like, let's have sex. So, and we lost our emotional connection. So that is the love. People let the love go and they had the sport, but now it's the sport and love together. So sex is an emotion, is an emotion of love, but it doesn't mean you're in love, but people won't 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 admit that it is an emotion of love even if it is just a pickup you're just expressing your love that that night to someone that you just picked up because you need to you need that emotion to come out and live but then they go back into the shame and the hiding because it Uh. was like oh i just picked her or him up and oh oh my god you have to go like you know hide it now because it was was taboo that you did that but if people were to have what i teach people is how to have healthy sexual casual relationships with communication. You're gonna be with someone, you know you're not gonna be with them forever. You know, they maybe there's a lot of differences that you have, but you're attracted to each other. And there's things in common you'd like to share for a good six months, eight months or whatever. You can have that be a healthy sexual relationship with the communication, so that you can experience and live your love because we have to practice the love in order to to get to the big love. You see what I mean? Like the village. (laughs) <laughs> you got to keep practicing. It's like the village. You have to keep practicing the, the love so that it, that's why people now that either came out of sexual revolution or that just don't practice love enough with others, like in casual relationships, have a hard time when they get to like Miss Wright, you see, or Mr. Wright mm-hmm. that come mm-hmm. along and, uh, and, and and they need so much work because they have all along, that's what I have been doing all my life, just practicing the love, practicing Sex, love, practicing it for, for the, the one to come along, you know, to wherever, to the higher power, wherever I'm supposed to be. And um, that's exactly what it's about. And it's, it's not, these things are not like overnight. Everything is a journey.
1: Yes. I am sitting here sipping my water with a beautiful mug someone gave me. And on the side is a big letter R, and along that letter R, it says, "It's a good day to radiate love." Oh, interesting! <laughs> I wonder where that mug came from. But oh anyway. my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be a little secret uh, that we have here today on this podcast. I would like to thank Anita Di Francesco so much. I've learned so much, and I hope all of our listeners have, have learned so much from this. So, again, Anita, thank you. Any closing words for us here today?
0: Well, I want to say that it's okay to be who you are, not what a lot of people walk around and say, I want to be this or I want to do that. But rather than wanting to be something,
1: mm-hmm.
0: be who you are rather than wanting to be something. So changing that statement, like I want to be this, rather to I am this, rather than I want to be, I don't want to be anything. I just want to be me. And me is where you can go in and start to live your life and liberate whatever it is that you need to liberate. And it is your soul, of course, but whatever else you want to liberate, it's okay. You have to give, you have to, Get through the forest and allow yourself the permission to open up. I can be found at tantrawisdom.com, and that is my official website where you can find my podcast, Discover Joyce Love, and any information about the work I do. And also, my live free book is available through Amazon, which is a transformational book about my journey and i also have a true crime book the donna gentile which is also a book i wrote that can be found on amazon as well